Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome. Good morning, JHM. Hello, friends. My name is Jeremy. I'm on staff here at JHM. Uh, you know, some of you guys may know this, that you know, maybe you've come to JHM for a long time. We actually have three services in, G- in junior high ministry. So we've got a 5 p.m. on Saturday. We've got a 9 a.m., and which is your, you're in it right now, so great job. Way to get to church this morning. We've got an 11 a.m. And you know what? There's things about every single service that I like differently. And being on staff, I'm not allowed to have favorites or favorite services. But I'll tell you this. This is a thing that I appreciate about the 9 a.m. This is a thing I appreciate about you, specifically the 9 a.m. people that are in the room right now, is that clearly daylight savings time only happens, it happens twice a year, but daylight savings time is, is when it separates the smartphone users from the non-smartphone users. Like this is the Sunday where we really learn like who's tech savvy in the room because all of you made a church this morning. Like half of, half of the 9 a.m. is probably still sleeping. You know, they think it's like 8, 8.45 and they're waking up right now. So way to go. Thanks for setting your smartphones last night. Thanks for getting to church on time. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited about this series we're in right now. We're in this series called Am I? This is week two. Justin kicked it off last week and talked about how you are adopted as a child of God, and it was awesome. He got us rolling. So I'm excited to continue that series. I'd invite you for the next you know, 20, 25 minutes, just slip your phone in your pocket. I ask you to do that because you don't I believe so much, bless you by the way, I believe so much in what we're going to talk about for the next 25 minutes and its power to change your life that I just don't want you to be distracted by anything that's on your phone. And, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying the, the, the next 25 minutes are going to be that awesome because of, I think I'm awesome, I think the words I have to say are awesome. I think it's going to be awesome because I believe in a God who has the power to change your life. I believe in a God who has the power to transform you. I was driving to church yesterday and I was, you know, coming around the corner on like Benita Canyon and MacArthur and I, there was a little bit of road work going on, and if you guys know me, um, or those who know me really well, you know that I really hate being late for things. Like, I believe that unless you're five minutes before the thing starts, then you're actually late. Like, that was just the, I was raised in a family that taught me that. And so, I was sitting in road work, which is just like the death of me, and I'm sitting there, and the, there's a guy, and he's holding a sign, and it says, you know, slow or stop. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this line is taking forever. He's holding the stop and I thought, like, all right, the other people got to go, you know, slow stop a few times. And we're still sitting there at the stop. And I thought, this is, this is terrible. And, like, part of me was dying inside. Um, and I started to look around. And I realized, all right, like, what kind of road work's going on? And I, and I looked around. And, and I saw just a bunch of cones, like, lined next to my truck. And I saw, you know, cones on each side of the road. Um, and I thought, well, that's crazy. Like, I guess those cones are there for a reason. And so I looked just a little bit past the cones. And on the other side of the cones... There was a bunch, there was like a ditch that they had dug up in the middle of this road because they were doing some kind of heavy road work. I thought, how interesting that the cone zone is the place where you have to slow down because if I went full speed through there, like I would drive into the ditch. If I went full speed through the road work zone and I didn't have the nice little sign holder guy, you know, telling me to slow down, I would have just barreled straight into that. Like, would have ruined my truck, which would have been so sad. My truck's name is the Silver Bullet and I love it a lot. There you go, learning more things about me. I thought it's so interesting that they have to slow th- they have to slow everything down in this roadwork zone to do the work that they need to do on the road because the road's that torn up and that messy and there's something under the road that needed work because they sometimes when they do roadwork they just come in and like slap some cement on top of the existing cement or asphalt and that's enough like that's good enough but this was the kind of roadwork where they were going like under the road and they were burrowing in there to to do whatever you know reconstruction they needed to do on the road. I thought that's so interesting. I thought that's kind of like what happens when we talk about God. The same kind of thing happens where it's almost like for the next 25 minutes, we're in a cone zone of our own. 
So I'd invite you for the next 20 minutes to think about what are the things in my life that need changing? What are the things in my life that don't just need like a fresh coat of cement on top? But what are the things in my life that might need God to actually step in and transform them? What are the things that, that need like a deep reconstructive surgery of the road in my own life? Because today we're talking about the idea of being loved. We're talking about am I loved? And I, I also, I want to recognize, even though we're united in the fact that we all made it to church on time this morning, I believe that we all came from somewhere just a little bit different. I think that some of you this morning, some of you, uh, you know, set your alarms early because you couldn't wait to be a JGM. Some of you set the alarm for like an extra 30 minutes early so you could play basketball for 30 minutes and play sting pong for 30 minutes before service. Some of you were that committed to being a junior high ministry this morning. Some of you, you know, like sort of just barely made it here on time and you were like, you know, doing this and like rubbing sleep out of your eyes. And some of you didn't really want to come this morning and that's okay. Some of you, your parents or your family member or your friend dragged you here this morning. I'm really glad you guys are here. But the thing that I think we all have in common is that at one point or another, we've all asked this question, that wherever we came from or however excited we were to be here, I think we've all asked a question of, am I loved? And maybe you're sitting there and you think, like, no, like, I know I'm loved. Like, I've got an awesome life. Well, that's, that's great, and I'm really happy for you. I know that if I look back at myself in junior high, I could think of uh, several times just by the time that I got to junior high, where somebody said something terrible to me or, or something, somebody bullied me or said something that tore me down, and that alone was enough to make me question whether I was loved by that person. Now, here's the thing. Love is one of those words I think we get wrong all the time. Like, love, love is one of the most overused words. It's one of the words we get wrong. We say things like, I love my mom, and I love burritos. We say things like, God loves me, and I love Xbox. Like, those things are not alike. And so I believe that there's different kinds of love. Like, I believe that there's, there's a kind of love that's like the kind of love that I feel for Del Taco. It's real. It's delicious. It's just goodness. And then there's also the kind of love that is the kind of love we're going to talk about today. And the kind of love we're going to talk about today is like this. It's love that is sacrificial, the kind of love that seeks the best for somebody else, and the kind of love that chooses other people's needs above your own wants. So that's the kind of love that we're going to talk about today. And that sounds awesome. Like, I would put that on a poster. Like, that sounds fantastic. That's the kind of love, sacrificial, the kind of love that seeks other people's needs above your own wants. Like, that's, that's like good love. And yet, I still think that we doubt if we are worthy of that same kind of love. I think there's a bunch of reasons up here on the screen right now of why we doubt that. I think sometimes we doubt if we're loved because we feel unworthy. We look at ourselves and we think, I'm just not good enough to be loved. Like, that's a really good love. That's a really good thing. And I don't think that I'm really worthy or deserving of that. I think a lot of us feel like we struggle with comparison. I know I do. Like, if you have a social media account or you have an Instagram, it's really easy to look at other people's lives and see how awesome, quote, in quotes, how awesome their lives are and think about the vacations that they take or the cars that their parents drive and how much more exciting their life must be. Maybe the result of your own actions makes you feel like you just couldn't be loved because you've done something that's so bad or so, you know, out there that, that it, it disqualifies you somehow from being loved. Maybe you feel like there's some level of like performance pressure. I played sports growing up, and uh, I know that it, there was a lot of times where it felt like if I didn't win the thing that I was doing, like if I didn't win the swim race or if I didn't you know, win the football game, then it, then it didn't matter. If I, didn't, if I wasn't first, then I was absolutely last. And that's kind of a mentality that gets put into sports, but I think sometimes we apply that same mentality to love in our relationships with other people. And we feel like we have to perform, we have to do something to earn their love. Maybe we feel insecure. Maybe we feel like uh, I'm just 
kind of like, uh, like it's, I think this is totally tied into to unworthiness and comparison, but insecurity meaning like we don't totally like who we are and we look at who other people are and we think they are so much better. Maybe we just haven't experienced healthy love. Maybe um, a relationship with somebody or a family member or, or somebody who has mistreated you in some way emotionally or even physically has, has mistreated you has left you with this impression of love that is not the healthy kind of love, that doesn't seek the best for you, that's not sacrificial. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot of reasons why we doubt. And I, and I think, like, if we're going to be really, you know, gut-level honest, there's probably a couple people in the room that have felt all of those things at one time or another. Maybe there's a few of you. I would also say, though, that every single person in the room has felt at least one of those things. Every single person in the room has, has felt like they have to compare themselves to others. Every single person in the room has at least felt one of those things before. And so I think that when we feel those things, if we doubt that, we have to look to a better example of love. The best example of love is a guy named Jesus. And if you don't know much about Jesus, he's a guy that I've given my life to serving and following. That's who we're going to talk about today. Um, and maybe if you were raised in the church, maybe you've heard a lot about this Jesus guy. Maybe you've heard about, you know, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, um, you know, tall, like, white-skinned Jesus. You know, I think that sometimes, like, our, our mental picture of Jesus is a lot different than what, what Jesus was actually like. But the Jesus that we're going to talk about today is awesome. He rocks. So if you would open your Bibles up to page 1180, that's where we're going to be. It's in the book of Colossians. Um, something changed for me when I started to read the Bible differently. I grew up reading the Bible as just a bunch of little stories. And I thought, this is like a really good book. Like this Bible, it's really long, but it's got very, very small font. But like the stories are cool. And like they're just all sort of like, you know, stories about things happening. That's how I read the Bible growing up. And it wasn't until I got to like late high school or early college where I started to read the Bible for something totally different. You can leave that page number on the, on the screen, leave the page number up. Um, I started to read the Bible for something totally different. And so I just would invite you to think about the Bible this way this morning. Is that I started to read the Bible not as just a bunch of like, you know, sort of disconnected stories, but I started to realize the Bible's not just one book, but it's actually like a library of books. It's like 66 books by over 40 different authors, and it tells one, this is like the real beauty of it, it tells one huge long story about God's love and about how God is taking all of the things that are broken, messy, and painful, and not the way they should be in the world, and God's making them new. That's the Bible in 30 seconds for you. Okay, we're all at Colossians chapter 3, page 1180. Colossians is this awesome book. It's written by again, a guy named Paul, and Colossians is written to a group of people in a place called Colossus, and the, the purpose of this book, it was actually a letter. It was a letter that Paul wrote to the people who were Christians in a place called Colossus, and they had just started following Jesus. This is like a couple, you know, this is like 200 years, 100, 100, 200 years after Jesus had actually just walked on earth and after Jesus had carried out like all of his earthly ministry. Now people were starting to talk about it and they're starting to figure out like, how do we follow this Jesus guy? Like what does it look like to be Christians or to be people who they call themselves followers of the way? And so one of the big things that they were struggling with was they said like, so Jesus did all of this. Now what do we do on top of that? Like how do we have to... Like, what are all of the things that we have to do in order to keep earning God's love? Because they had this performance pressure. Like, the, the early people that were early Christians totally were just locked into performance pressure. They thought, how can I earn more of God's love? And so Paul writes this letter to say, Jesus has already done everything, but here's how you get to live because of what Jesus has done. Let's read it. Paul says, put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking within you. Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and put in the fire. Um, that, 
the last, I love the last sentence. He says that those things, like those actions, those things that you've been doing are like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and put in the fire. I don't know if any of you have ever, you know, gotten hand-me-downs. Um, I got hand-me-downs uh, when I was growing up because I had a brother who was six years older, and so I'd always get his old clothes. It's not, not that awesome because I didn't like his style. But um, the, I would get hand-me-downs, and, and they were never quite made for me. Like, I, was, I, could, I could never wait until I got to the point where I had to buy my own clothes. I was so excited about that because the clothes that I was getting handed down to me just weren't made for me. Like, they, weren't, they didn't quite fit right. They, weren't, they didn't totally, like, line up with the kind of clothes that I wanted to wear. Um, and I had the same experience in my own life with my own actions and, and who I was. So when I was 16, a little bit more backstory to my life, when I was 16, uh, I'd been raised in the church. I had talked and known about Jesus my whole life, uh, but I wasn't totally living it out. And so I went to a winter camp uh, my sophomore year of high school, and I remember being at this winter camp, and it was in Lake Tahoe, which is this beautiful place in Northern California, and we had this thing, it was like an hour-long quiet time, and I... <laughs> I could not imagine doing an hour-long quiet time at junior high camp. Don't worry, we won't do that. But it was awesome because it was a high school camp, and, you know, the guys just said, like, go sit and reflect and, like, go sit and, like, hear God's voice in your life. Kind of the same theme that we did at our worship night two weeks ago. He said, go hear God's voice in your life. Like, go just sit and reflect and think. And so I sat on the edge of this dock in Lake Tahoe. It was, like, 30 degrees outside, but it felt like minus 30 and I had like a, just like the biggest parka snow jacket on ever. And I'm like sitting there just sort of shivering and thinking. And it was the first time in my life up to that point that I'd been just totally, completely still. And where I started to think about the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. I started to think about what's the difference between the life that I've lived and the life that, that it looks like I'm supposed to be living based on who Jesus is. Um, and so I went back inside and I talked to my youth pastor. I was like, dude, I'm in. Let's go. Like game time. I want to live for a different reason. Like, I want to live a life that's, that is working to know Jesus and make him known. Making Jesus known means using your words and your actions and all of the things that you do with your life to show the rest of the world who Jesus is. I was like, I'm in, dude. Like, let's, let's go. Like, let's do this. Like, I'm going to join student leadership. I'm going to sign up for everything I can do. Um, and I was so pumped. Like, we went home that night, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, can't wait to tell my mom about it. And I was not the kind of kid who, like, tells his mom about things, but I was like, I get home, my mom's like, how was camp? And I was like, oh, Jesus! And, you know, I, I think I posted something to, like, Facebook or MySpace that night, and I was like, MySpace was around before social media really was, got, before it got good. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Jesus! It was so awesome! And, um, you know, I went to, I uh, saw a few of my church friends before school the next day, and they're like, dude, like, how you doing? Like, how awesome was this weekend? And I was like, oh, dude, Jesus! Um, it was so funny. And I got to, I got to like lunch and I got to swim practice and a couple of the guys that I was friends with that were not the kind of guys that would go to a church winter camp were like, dude, like, how was it? Like, I was like, oh yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was, it was just okay. It was fine, whatever. Because what I realized is that I, as soon as I came home, I was so pumped on this, like, on like, Jesus, like, I, I, we're going to do it. But then I started to look at like the things that were, that were going on in my own life. And I started to look at my actions and my words and the, the things that I was doing. And I was like, Ugh, like, like my life does not at all match up with this. Like, my life at that point, like, mentally up here, wanted to know Jesus and make him known, but the, the actions in my life, like, the, the things that my life looked like on the outside for all my friends who didn't go to church was not that at all. Like, it couldn't have been further from that. Because when I was in high school, sophomore in high school, I was 16, uh, my life looked more like this. My life looked more like partying 
And I was known as the kind of guy who on Friday night was going to hang out with Kyle and Greg and, and we were like going to have a 30 pack of beer and it was going to be awesome. I was known as the kind of guy who would go home and lie to his mom about that the next morning, who I would go home on a Saturday morning and like, you know, throw some altoids in and my mom would say, oh, like, how was Bible study? I'd be like, oh, it was so good. I'm just so tired. Like, I'm going to go to bed. Um, I was known as the kind of guy who would steal because it wasn't exciting enough just to drink, you know, like Greg's mom's beer anymore. We had to go steal more to get our own. I was known as the kind of guy who would sneak out, who, who even when I was grounded, like, yeah, curfew? Like, what, what's a curfew? Like, I'll just sneak out. At this point in my life, I was known as the kind of guy who had really terrible language. And I'm not just saying, like, language that's full of words with four letters. Like, that's just, that's just lazy. Like, that's just, that's just, you're just bored. Like, you don't have better words than that. But, I was, I, like, the, the words that I used sucked. Like, the words that I used did not build other people up. The words that I used, like, actively tore other people down so that I could make myself feel better. At that point in my life, I was super insecure. I felt like I knew that the result of these things wasn't very good, and so I felt like I had to, to hide the fact that it wasn't very good by tearing people down with my language and by bullying other people. There was a kid named Carter on the swim team who was, he was the same year as me, and he was the butt of every joke. I made sure that, that every time there was going to be a moment to embarrass somebody, Carter was going to be the one getting embarrassed and not me. All of that was full of just a life that was really selfish. So when I decided to, to live to know Jesus and make him known, I think the single word that could have characterized my whole life up to that point was that I was extremely selfish. But I, for me, I knew that my life had a story to it, but I also thought that the main character of that story was, was this guy. Like, I thought, like, yeah, like, my life's awesome, and I'm the main character, and it's all about me. And, like, there's just this, like, you know, planet system of people that just revolve around me. Like, I was like Money Dave, actually. It was a lot like that. Um, and what was crazy is that Jesus completely flipped that upside down. Jesus invited me to live a life that was, looked totally different. Because the more that I followed Jesus, the more I realized what my next steps in my relationship with him were. It wasn't like an overnight process and it wasn't easy, but it kind of looked like this next passage. We're going to come back to the passage in, in Colossians 3. It says this. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ Everyone is included in Christ. And keep going. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, that sounds awesome. It sounds like, sounds like super good stuff. But I think the when I read that, and I was like mentally like, all right, live to know Jesus and make him known. I was like, all right, great. Like, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to cover up all of the stuff in my life that doesn't look like the life that I'm trying to live, and I'll just sort of like, I'll just like slap something over it. Like, you know, I'll just trade partying for partying less, and I'll just trade, you know, lying for telling the truth when it's convenient, and I'll just trade it for stealing. I'll just like steal a little bit less, and I'll, instead of, you know, instead of gossiping, like, I'll just tell things that are partially true, because that's, you know, halfway to truth. Um, it's like, I mean, really, like, a lot like Money Dave. It's like, I would just cover those things up, be like, you're welcome. Like, it makes no sense. You're like, how does that teach me anything about life? And so, where I was at is I was at a point of, of just trying to cover up, and the, the problem with covering things up is that you can still see the thing underneath it. Like, you could still see that, like, you know, I didn't, it wasn't every Friday night, but I would still, like, go sometimes, and I'd still think, like, yeah, it's Friday night, like, it's been a solid two weeks since I went to a party, like, I could still go to this party. Um, 
And I think the thing that I'm really thankful for with Jesus and, and where Jesus met me as a 16-year-old in high school is that Jesus decided to love me as is. So all of the things that had been my identity up to that point, all of the things that I had held that defined me, and I knew that these things were bad and that they were not like actions that were leading me anywhere good, but I still got a lot of value from, knowing, from being known as the guy who was like, going to have an awesome time on Friday night. I still got a lot of value for myself in being these things because that's how I had friends. It was how people liked me. That's how I knew that people liked me. And so what happened is that Jesus started to redefine my identity. Jesus started to, to call me something different and call me something completely different than anything else. God started, to, instead of me just covering these labels up, the more that I got to know about who God is and the more I was taking next steps in my relationship with Jesus, these labels started to change. I realized that I didn't need to go to parties for people to like me. I realized I didn't need to lie to my mom and I could actually tell her the truth about some of the things I've been doing. I realized that I didn't have to steal anymore. I realized that I didn't have to sneak out and that I could actually just tell her, like, hey, mom, like, I'm going to hang out with my friends and no, we're not going to be partying. I realized that I could use language that, that didn't tear people down so that I could look good, but I realized that I would actually look a lot better if I was using language that built other people up. I realized that I didn't have to bully Carter anymore for people to like me. I realized that I didn't have to gossip and spread things that are not true and partially true just to try to cover up my own image. See, the thing is, is that God doesn't just want us to change our behavior, and that's what I started trying to do. I started just trying to change behavior and, you know, slap sticky notes and sort of cover these things up. But what Jesus wanted to do in my life was he wanted to transform my heart. And for me, the best, like, way that I can picture this is kind of like what happens in a rock tumbler. I know, that's crazy. So when I was, like, 10, I got a rock tumbler for Christmas, and I thought, like, oh, cool, Mom and Dad, like, great, really super gift. That's awesome. Um, I, so I, you know, I plugged it in, and I, I threw some rocks in there, and I was expecting it to, like, do something awesome and, like, you know, gyrate or do something crazy. Uh, I, I flipped the, the on switch on, and it was just like, and I was like, this is the lamest gift ever. Like, it's broken, Mom. Like, come on. So we, like, took to the store. We got a new one. Went home. I plugged the new one in, and, you know, put some rocks in there, and I was like, and I was like, all right, this is so lame. And I read the instructions, and it said you have to leave it on for 24 hours. And I was like, oh, this is not the immediate reward that I wanted. And so I just threw a bunch of rocks in there, and I left it on overnight. When I woke up the next morning, I you know, turned it off, and I had, that night before, I'd, I'd put in, a, like, you know, 10 rocks, and these 10 rocks had been, like, just dirt clods and, you know, gross things I picked up off the ground. Like, all of the rocks had, you know, like, gross, sharp edges, and, and they, weren't, they weren't, like, good-looking rocks by any means. I don't know how you would define good-looking rocks other than by when I turned it off and I, and I opened the door, I pulled it out, and they're, like, these smooth, polished stones. And there's a, for a second, I thought, like, okay, I think my mom just, like, wanted me to feel good, so she pranked me by, you know, swapping out the bad for the good stuff. But then what I, what I realized is that actually overnight, that slow sound effect had actually been causing the rocks to like churn over each other and they had been bouncing off of each other and all of the like, you know, sharp pointy ends that didn't look very good started to hit off of each other and break off of each other. And eventually, after what felt like an eternity of 24 hours, these rocks went from being these like ugly, gross, you know, broken, cracked looking things to being these like really beautiful, polished stones. And for me, one of my next steps as soon as I decided to live the kind of life that, that seeks to know Jesus and make him known was I joined a life group. And my life group in high school was a lot like a rock tumbler. It was a, full of guys who chipped off my rough edges. It was full of guys, and we had an awesome leader who, who helped us be who we were made to be, who said, you know, I see these things in you. Like, I see these, like, rough edges. I see these, like, you know, these dirty cobweb parts of your life. But I see, like, the real Jeremy. Like, I see somebody that's different than these things. 
And so my life group in high school was a lot like a rock tumbler for me. They were the guys that were chipping off those rough edges. They were chipping off the parts of me that didn't look like Jesus. Because what I learned about Jesus in high school was that Jesus didn't just want me to modify my behavior. He wanted to transform my heart. Jesus didn't want me just to make like small little like, you know, action changes and just be a little nicer and be a little bit better of a person. But what happens when Jesus invades your life is that Jesus changes you from the inside out. Any of us can make changes. Like any of us could go on a diet or could just decide to be a nicer person or decide to like bully people less. But only Jesus has the power to change your life. Only Jesus has the power to transform your heart. And so when we put on love, it's us becoming who we are made to be. At the end of that Colossians verse, in, in Colossians 3.14, it said, therefore, like, put on love, which binds all of us together in perfect harmony. When we put on love, it's us becoming who we are made to be. When we put on love, it's us embracing a new identity for ourselves. It's us saying, I've been these things, like, I've been the kid who parties and bullies and lies and steals and cheats, but I think that it's time for me to be something new. And so, at 16, as I was figuring these things out, I started to put on a totally new identity. I started to realize that I wasn't these things. I started to realize that I, was, I didn't have to be defined by these things anymore. I could be, oh, this went better last night. Man, I realized that I could be who I was made to be as a follower of Jesus. I realized that I could be a loved child of God. And that single truth changed the rest of my life. That was like 10 years ago. That feels like an eternity ago. It was only 10 years ago. So for the last 10 years, I've gotten to be who I was made to be. I think that that same invitation is true for each of us. I think that same invitation is true for each and every one of us, that you are invited to be a follower of Jesus that lets Jesus transform your heart. And, and here's the thing, is that, like, my testimony is kind of crazy, and it's full of a lot of stuff that I don't think that, that are awesome or are things that I'm exactly proud of. Um, your life doesn't have to have a crazy testimony to it in order for God to use you. Like, I think that every single one of us has things that are stopping us from seeing how loved we are by God. It's kind of like that list we went through at the beginning, insecurity, comparison, you know, unworthiness. Like, all of those things are things that would keep us from knowing how loved we are by God and what God wants for us. And so the invitation this weekend is to embrace that. The invitation this weekend is to let Jesus transform your heart. When we put on love, we become who we're made to be. And I know that's true because in Scripture, in 1 John 4, it says God equals love. It's like the most simple verse ever. It's so awesome. It says love because love comes from God and God is love. Like literally the definition of God is love. And then the cool thing is that scripture also tells us who we are. In Genesis 1, it says that we are made in God's image. God's image is not, that's not like an Instagram. We're made in God's image. It means that we're actually made to be God's representations on earth. We're made to be visible people that show the rest of the world what an, inv- what an invisible God looks like. So we're like the visible walking around like flesh and meat and bones to God's love. Therefore, if we are made in God's image and God's image is love, then our image, who we are meant to be, is love. So when we put on love, we're re-becoming who we are made to be in God. Our big idea for this weekend is this. Jesus' love changes everything. We were made to love God and others. Jesus' love changes everything. And I... I've been, to, I've been at JHM for like four months now, and I have gotten to know a bunch of you, and it's awesome. I like you guys a lot. Um, I don't know where every single one of you comes from. Like, I don't know the story of your life. I don't know what the thing in your life that Jesus needs to transform is. For a few of you, I know that. A few of you are in my life group, and I know those things about you. I believe that everybody has a next step 
I believe that everybody has a next step in their relationship with Jesus, and I believe that everybody has a part of their life that Jesus needs to step in and transform. And because it's true that Jesus' love changes everything, and you are made to love God and love others, then we're invited to live a response this week. So in the carts, there's these little response cards. If you're on one of the end rows, you can grab a response card and, and pass them down to people. The idea this weekend we've been talking about is a question of, am I loved? And the truth that we've, the truth that I want you to walk out of here with, you can write it in your own words if you want, but the truth is that I am made to love God and love others. That's the truth. That's who you are. And when we do that, we are becoming who we're made to be. So what, what the deal with these response cards is, is that for the month of March, we're going to have one of these every single week. You're going to take these response cards. You're going to write the, the truth that I am made to love God and love others. And if you were here last week, then you already have one of these response cards. And I, hopefully you put it up on your mirror or by your, 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 your bed or, or somewhere that you would look at it in the morning. And I want you to take this one home. I want you to stick it up next to that one. And I, I hope that at the end of this month, I hope that you have four truths about who you are. And those aren't just the truths that we've said like, oh, that sounds like a nice truth. Like, I'm awesome. <laughs> like, you know, like that's, you know, that's cool if you think you're awesome. But these are truths about who God says we are. We spent the last month, the month of February, we looked at all about who Jesus is. And so now that we know more about who Jesus is, we now get to say, because of who Jesus is, this is who Jesus says we are. And so these truths are, are ways that you can respond by letting that be the first thing you see in the morning, by letting that be the thing that reminds you about who you are. Because in a world that, that has a lot of things that could tear us down, in a world that has a lot of things like Instagram and comparison and unworthiness and insecurity, in a world where those things are like bombarding us, I think we need truths like this. We need truths like this to remind us of the truth that Jesus wants to transform your heart. We need reminders that Jesus says you're loved, that even when you don't feel it from the people in your life, that there is a God who knows you and a God who desperately loves you. Let's pray, and then let's play some gaga ball and get out of here. We love you guys in JHM. Oh, thanks. Warm fuzzies. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are good. Thank you that you love us so much. And thank you that when we doubt that or question that, or because of our own actions or the circumstances of our lives or our own feelings of embarrassment or insecurity and unworthiness, thank you that you meet us exactly where we are at. Thank you that your love redefines everything. And my hope and prayer for students in junior high ministry is that they would be the kind of people who live that love out. They don't just walk into their you know, family or their friend group or their school tomorrow and, and say, Jesus, but that be the kind of people that use their actions and their words to live that out. It's the same that we pray. Amen. Okay, get out of here. We love you.